coming up this week on Sporting Journal Radio. And that whole herd was 30 feet from me and that nine by nine was standing there looking at me. We had a fishing contest in the trout pond. You gotta have a starting point. I mean, yeah. you drive out there and it's like, well, um. I fish, I hunt, and always will. Broadcasting from the Alclair Outdoor Studios. Presented by OnX. Know where you stand with OnX. We're not just a radio show anymore. This is Sporting Journal Radio. Hi there. My name is Brett. Thanks for tuning in. Sporting Journal Radio. What's so funny? Hi there. Hey. Hello there. General Kenobi. That's what it reminded me of. Well, you're welcome. That was my impression. I figured I'd start off the show with impressions this week. Sure. Yeah, very good at it. That's Dan Amundsen over there and David Eckhart over there. What's up, fellas? Not much. Hi. Feels good to be back. Does it, though? Well, I mean, it was a good it was a good road trip, but uh, it's always good to be home, right? I don't know. Sometimes. Sometimes, I guess. <laughs> Depends on what you're doing, I guess. You tell me. You, I, I can tell you get a little twitchy sometimes when you get, stay at home too long. I do, you for sure. get on the move. You get the shakes a little mm-hmm. bit. I won't disagree. And usually that's like four days of being at home. Right. <laughs> I'm ready to go. This is what, oh, day man. three of you being home? So tomorrow you're going to be sitting in the chair like, oh. <laughs> Switching a little bit. Well, I did spend some time on the road, and uh, Dan and I spent some time filming more barrel trauma stuff. We talked about it last week on the show. We'll we'll have more barrel trauma next. We're gonna take a we're gonna go barrel trauma free this week. What? Wait a second! I thought we were super desperate Desperate. (laughs) to talk about barrel trauma, and we're not gonna do it this week. Well, we would have, but our guest that we're gonna have on couldn't do it until next week, or else we would be talking about it this week. We're so desperate to talk about this topic we've been talking about since June. Yeah. Mm. So, uh, man, super cool stuff, though. If you missed it last week, we did. We we gave you some preliminary results last week and talked about some of the new methodology that the DNR used uh, this year. And we'll have more about it on an upcoming episode of Prairie Sportsman and then the Angling Buzz video when they uh, get theirs out. So uh, more barrel trauma stuff. In fact, it's with a guy who's done studies outside of Minnesota. So we're going beyond the DNR. We're going to see what other places and other scientists and researchers have done to learn more about barrel trauma. We also had a chance um, after you and I split up, Dan, because we filmed the barrel trauma, then we filmed the Arrowhead 135. Actually, you went and did some fishing up in northern Minnesota with your buddy John, right? Yep, sure did. We went and uh, caught a bunch of perch, caught and kept a bunch of perch because we we did fish deep. So we caught, kept them all, and hey, uh, they're delicious. We're not what? supposed to talk about bear trauma anymore. We're not. I'm okay. just saying we went and caught and kept fish out of deep water, and yeah. they're delicious. That video is available right now on the Fish Hunt Forever YouTube channel. Uh, go check it out. And then when you did that, I went down to Jamie Dittman's and Brainerd and got my new truck wrapped. You did. And yeah. I have an, we have an announcement about that truck. Hang on. I got to find it. We won't. Oh, am I supposed to wait on yeah, this? Yeah, I was going to say, well, oh. we'll tell I you thought what you were leading into that. Sorry. Well. We'll do it in a second. Stay tuned. <laughs> Just give me like 60 seconds, then we'll see. I didn't is. know. I'm sorry. I know. I know. I was, we don't plan the show. No, there's no prep work done at all. But I was about to say, I've got a big announcement coming up here soon, and you just jumped right in there with the drum roll, which I appreciate the I'm enthusiasm. Excited. I'm yeah. just so excited. I'm pretty excited <laughs> about it, too. Today. Yeah. yeah. And uh, that's, that's new. <laughs> I missed part of that. Good. But, uh, so we had a chance to talk to Jamie. We talked to him about his elk hunting uh, trip that he went on this year. He's got some advice about 
if you want to go plan your first elk hunting trip to uh, out west, Montana, wherever, we'll talk about that. And then we had Scott Moon. We met up with Scott Moon, who we filmed uh, elk hunting in Minnesota. So it's an elk heavy trip, uh, elk heavy show this week on a couple of different elk trips. In fact, we we dig into Scott's elk hunting experience after Dan and I left with the cameras. So if you watch the Prairie Sportsman episode, you only got to see so much of, of Scott's hunt. And then he picks up where we left off and tells us about the rest of the experience coming up here later in this show right here. It's very, very cool. Now, ladies and gentlemen. Oh. Well, hang on. There you go. A big announcement. <laughs> <laughs> What's the screw? You had this so excited. <laughs> uh, you know exactly what video that's from every time you hear it too. With the guy uh, in his fish house, his flip over with his buddy driving away on the snow yeah. <laughs> snowmobile. Um, we're happy to announce we have the official truck sponsor of Sporting Journal Radio and Fish Hunt Forever. It's Invergrove Toyota, ladies and gentlemen. Invergrove Toyota. Look at this tundra. That's <laughs> that's right. So Invergrove Toyota. Right off of 494 in Ember Grove and Robert Street there. That wasn't the video I meant to play. No. There, Look at that. There is my truck parked out in front of our new truck sponsor. I asked them to move the flagpole for the picture. They refused, which is fine. <laughs> America. Inver, Inver, yeah. <laughs> right. But they're so excited uh, to work with us and start offering, uh, you know, more Tundra specific for, uh, you know, guys that are out in the guys and girls that are out there in the outdoor world that they went out and built that black Toyota that Dan play that video yeah. again. Uh, this Tundra is on the showroom floor right now, and they said, uh, we want to make this really cool truck. So it's blacked out, black lugs on it, black handles, black color, of course. They put the factory lift kit in it. And the this is just like my limited and like the screen on the interior, you guys. You, David, you've been in my yep. truck, right? Like the camera views that you get. I mean, you could drive this thing without ever looking at the road <laughs> if you wanted See to. All please, the way around. I would. Please, please look at the road. I would not advise, it. gentlemen. Always would. Invergrove Toyota, of course. Two hands and two eyes on the road. But it's uh, it's their leather seats. I don't know if they're officially called leather seats or not, but they're heated and ventilated, which is my favorite part about it. In fact, when I came home, it was forty-eight degrees and sunny i drove around with my windows down and had my heat coolers on it was the seat coolers yeah they call them ventilated seats or whatever but they're seat coolers it's awesome i love them so uh we'll be telling you more about those trucks coming up and if you're looking that toyota tundra is in the showroom floor right now at invergrove and it's not going to last there long it's awesome uh go in there check it out and we're going to have a deal for you. Keep listening to this show right here. We'll tell you how you can get a deal at Invergrove. But tell them you heard it on here and you want to take a look at that truck at Invergrove Toyota. Dan, who are the sponsors this week on the show? Yeah, we've got Invergrove Toyota. The official truck sponsor of Fish Hunt Forever is Invergrove Toyota. When looking for your new rig, head over to Invergrove Toyota. The Minnesota Deer and Turkey Classic is March 8th, 9th, and 10th at Canterbury Park in Shakopee. Learn more at mndeerclassic.com. Habel Heights Campground and Resort. Fish out of a snow bear on Devil's Lake. Learn more at habelheights.com. Onyx Hunt. Landowner information, public land access, and much, much more. Know where you stand with Onyx Hunt. Prairie Sportsman. The new season is underway. Watch episodes anytime at the Prairie Sportsman YouTube channel. Lake of the Woods Tourism. Lake of the Woods is the walleye capital of the world. Plan a trip for this winter, spring, or summer at lakeofthewoodsmn.com. And the Midwest Wild Sheep Foundation Annual Banquet and Fundraiser is March 15th and 16th at the Minneapolis, Marriott, Southwest, and Minnetonka. Learn more at MidwestWildSheep.com. 
youtube.com. We got some videos for you to watch. If you spend any time on YouTube, hopefully you're watching us right now. Make sure you give us a comment and a like and a subscribe down below. But uh, Dan, what are some of the other, and David, what are some of the other videos you guys have been watching that you would recommend? So I actually watched one the other day. I don't get to watch TV a whole lot, but turned it on and Meat Eater was on. It was one of the Cal in the Field series videos. And uh, he was in Idaho. He went out there with uh, a guy, his, he goes by old time hockey not it's h-a-w-k-e-y not hockey the sport hockey like chris hockey kind of yeah but he and he makes some fun fishing videos whatever i've seen him before but so they went ice fishing in cascade in uh, idaho and i thought it was interesting so they met up with some of the idaho game and fish guys biologists i think they were and they talked about why cascade grows big fish big perch specifically and I obviously cascade grows big perch, but I never really knew why and they said it's because they have years where they have not great recruitment. They have poor recruitment on some of their perch year classes. Poor. So in turn, that leads these older, bigger perch to not have to compete for fruit food so much so they can fruit. grow go bigger are you just gonna sit there and <laughs> sorry are you no, listening I'm to sorry. anything I'm actually saying? I'm listening okay obviously just checking. No, you're just waiting for your turn to make fun of me, which is fine. I don't usually have to wait for that. <laughs> Anyways, um, but I just thought it was interesting because you look at perch in Minnesota and we don't have mega, mega perch. You know, you catch like an 11, 10, 12 inch perch. It's really, really big. And I always kind of wondered why that was. Why couldn't we grow big perch in Minnesota and South Dakota, North Dakota, Idaho can? And I think it has something to do with that recruitment. We must just have pretty good recruitment in a lot of our lakes for your classes of perch. And we always have consistent perch fishing, but never giants. So I thought yeah. that was interesting. So if you want to learn more about the perch of Cascade and uh, big perch, uh, go check that video out. I'd bet that pressure probably has a little to do with that, too. I'd be curious to see how many anglers fish Cascade. I saw we got a message from a buddy of ours that had uh, he sent us a picture of a Side-by-side side that went through, I think, or something uh, like that? Yeah, side-by-side so, side or four-wheeler. But there, everyone's okay, which is good. So that would be a cool place. I would like to go fish that lake. I also would like to go fish Man. that. Yeah. Well, and that was the other thing. So people have been talking about the fact that lake might be on the decline, and it might be for a little bit, but I think it'll be pretty cyclical. With The way they made it sound is it's, it's just kind of a cyclical thing, and they're keeping a lot of those big perch because they're kind of towards the end of their life cycle, this and that, and that they're – like, it, they didn't seem like they were scared that the – cascade perch boom is going to be over oh that's good you know so it might you know dip and die for a few years but they it kind of felt like they would feel like it will come back i think that's what i took from that video anyways but just some interesting information on a topic i hadn't really thought about a whole lot because how many times in the last couple of years have we talked about trying to make a trip before it's over every year right. cascade so that'd be good good if it stays like that um, I saw a video. So I was at the All Canada show last weekend in Chicago, and uh, Tyler and Sarah Trampy were there from Sport Sportsman's Journal TV. And it's funny because people always get this show and their show mixed up when I talk to them. Oh, I see your TV show. Where's Sarah? Mm. Wrong show. Wrong show. <laughs> but uh, I talked to Tyler and Sarah, and then um, we were watching some of their stuff on YouTube. And they had one out probably about a month ago or something, dead sticking walleyes on the ice. And they had something I hadn't seen before, and it's a new Razor Scout auger. Have you guys seen this before? Mm -hmm. No. It's like a four-inch auger, and it's a scout. So for, you know, say like Dan, when you guys were being mobile for perch fishing, and you were bouncing around, bouncing around, trying to find schools, um, you could use the smaller auger to search for fish and not put a big footprint, you know, hmm. a big hole in the water. And, and to like Sarah made the point that if you got 
a bunch of people out there or, you know, small children or dogs, you're not putting these, you know, eight or 10 inch holes in the ice that, that people can step in or fall in. And I mean, Dan, have you never stepped in a hole before? Have you? Oh, I have. Didn't I step in one? Weren't we filming the other day and I just went right down into one with the camera in my hand? Probably. I forgot about that. Uh, was I there? I'm not sure. I think it was when we were filming Barrow Trial. Oh, it could be. I think. I've I could be wrong. I've definitely done it. Yeah. Um, so I could see it, but it, you know, it's like, would you, is this something that you guys would use? I could see it if you're looking for a specific block of structure, you know, or trying to find structure where a four inch auger is probably going to cut a lot faster. Yeah. Especially if there's a lot of ice, you know, you could just zip through and look and, oh, we got to go 10 feet that way or. You know, there's nothing around here. Let's go keep punching holes and looking for it. I could see it useful in certain situations. Right. But it's more gear to bring. Yeah. My sled's already full as it is. And I don't drill a lot of holes. So, you know, if I'm going to drill a hole, I'm just going to fish it probably. Yeah. I, yeah. You know, I'm, I've, by the time, say I, because I'll drill a hole to look for fish more than anything. So say I see a fish. Okay, now I got to go get my other auger and grab my stuff. That fish might be gone or... You're going to have to drill another hole to fish it. You know, say you, what if you drill a four inch hole and you're right over the school? Now you got to drill another hole and hope you don't spook them and then fish them. It's, I don't know. It's an interesting concept. I'm not completely against the idea. Yeah. But I'm not, I don't think I'm going to rush out and go buy one. If that makes sense. I mean, I'm guessing it's small and, you know, it's going to be a smaller auger, obviously, but it's oh, yeah. probably lighter too. So, but it is more batteries and, and more gear to bring. But it wasn't it on a drill. So you can just kind of, you could probably use the same drill if you're running a pistol bit or something like that. I think the auger that Tyler had in that video was on a drill, okay. but I think hers was on a, like a, a razor. Oh, a head. Or head. Okay. Yeah. All right. So. Yeah, I don't know. It's, but. Uh, again, interesting concept. Maybe I'd, I'd, I'd be interested to fish with one and really see it in person, yeah. I guess. I don't know. New technology. Fishing. It's ruined forever. Ruined. It's going to ruin the lake. <laughs> ruined. Yep. <laughs> All it's right, over. we better, I don't know what our time is at, Dan, but I'm we guessing should take a break. we should take a break. We got Joe Henry coming up with a Lake of the Woods update and also Scott Moon with an elk story from northern Minnesota and Jamie Dittman with his elk encounter in Montana all on the way. Stay there. Ice fishing season is here. This winter, plan a trip to Devil's Lake, North Dakota. Not only will you have the chance to catch their legendary perch, but this year, Haybale Heights has been catching big walleye after big walleye and they're doing it from a mobile, comfortable snow bear. No matter how cold it is outside, you're warm and toasty on the inside. Learn more and book a trip today at haybaleheights.com. That's haybaleheights.com. 852 million acres of public land, 147 million private properties, all in the palm of your hand. The number one hunting GPS app just got better. With hundreds of custom map layers, 3D and topographic maps, you can easily scout on the road or at home before you go. And now you can get important weather details, CWD detection, and even know what crops have been planted where. Get the most trusted hunting GPS app ever made. Onyx. Know where you stand with Onyx. All right, Tom. Once again, to check in with Joe Henry from Lake of the Woods Tourism to get a fishing report from Lake of the Woods. Joe, how you doing? Hey, gentlemen. Doing well. How are you? Not too bad. Uh, sounds like it's sports show season, and you've got one this weekend, it sounds like. Yeah, you know, this weekend we're in St. Cloud. So uh, it's it's gr great, great show. Uh, you know, so we I have a booth, uh, Lake of the Woods Tourism, that we'll be talking Lake of the Woods fishing. And we'll talk both, this time of year, we talk both ice fishing for some, 
as you know, our uh, we have an extended ice fishing season. We, uh, you know, our fish houses can be on the ice through the month of March, and our walleye in, in the sauger season don't close until April four. Sorry, February. Sorry, April fourteenth. <laughs> April fourteenth, that extended season, and then our pike season never closes. It's continuous. So we'll be talking about that for some. For others, they want to hear about the spring fishing on the Rainy River. Hey, when do you think the river is going to pop? Hey, I've never done it. What do I need to know? And then other people are going to say, hey, listen, you know, we've heard such good things about the fishery. You know, what about summer fishing? Should I bring my own boat? Should I start out going on a charter? What does it look like? Tell me about the Northwest Angle and traveling up there. So we'll be answering a ton of questions. And uh, and then, Brett, in addition, I'm giving seminars too. So one of the seminars I'm giving is uh, <clears throat> Master Levels. Uh, uh, spinners for walleyes. So it's going to be a real in-depth spinner for walleye seminar. And that's wherever you fish. It can be Lake of the Woods or, or anywhere. And then the other one is multi-species success anywhere you fish. And, uh, you know, basically uh, uh, that one's oh, going to be whoa. talking about. Stop the presses. Twiggy, the water Twiggy. water skiing squirrel is going to be there. Hey, Shut you want to hear a funny door. one? So I've been seeing ads for the sports show and you think that you don't talk about, you, you know, they talk about for the seminar speaker. Twiggy, <laughs> not you. <laughs> I mean, they're talking about. Hey, hey, look, look at Twiggy. Twiggy knows when he wants to get off the boat. Should I go one, one, one more loop? Yeah, the kids are. Yeah, one more loop. He's going around, and Twiggy starts getting nervous and jumps off on his owner's arm. You know, that's hilarious. You Old should do your Twiggy. seminar on water skis. I'd watch. You know, they. Oh, yeah. Hey, Danny. Yeah. You know what? Listen. Honoring Toby Keith, I'm not as good as I once was, but I'm as good once. As ever was. There it is. Brilliant. Man, Brilliant. what a sad R. day the other day. That was the first song I listened to, too, when I heard the news. That one right I felt, there. Uh, I, I felt real bad about it, too. You know, I uh, uh, I don't listen to a ton of country, but I'll tell you, I sure liked Toby Keith. I'll tell you, the other thing I liked about Toby Keith is uh, his allegiance to our, our veterans. Oh, uh, yeah. The songs he created, how he went over there and supported them, and just uh, an advocate, you know. I played a lot of Toby Keith on the radio. You know, when you start out in radio, a lot of times it's small town, and most of those small town stations are country stations, and there was a lot of Toby Keith getting played, and uh, yeah, that's a, that's a tough one right there. Um, and now well, now it's hard to go back to talking about jokes <laughs> about water skiing squirrels. You know, I was going to say, uh, they, they've had Twiggy behind that little boat for so many years. I wonder which Twiggy this is, this is now, which Twiggy they're on, because it's not the same one. <laughs> Well, it's kind of like uh, it's kind of like Ron and Raven, you yeah, know? yeah, right, Rich right. Raven, John, and uh, but you know, it's 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 cool and it's really neat for the kids. I mean, you think about it. If you're a, if you want to go to the sportsman's show, and they, they call it the sportsman's show, which I'm a little sensitive to. I call it a sports show, but you know, if you're going to go to the show, uh, and you have kids, it's sometimes it's hard to justify how do I take my kids through looking at fishing, hunting stuff, and talking to resorts and. Well, you know what? You got Twiggy, though, the water skiing squirrel. And there, there's your justification. And the trout pond and everything else. Yeah, which those trout are always so hard to catch. I spent I spent a lot of time trying to catch those trout out of there. <laughs> Isn't that I'll, for kids? I gotta, I gotta, well, yeah. But then I'll see like a seven-year-old hook into one. Like, come on, man. I and mean, you do the same thing on any lake. Yeah, I'm not a great fisherman. I got to tell you, when, when <laughs> I, was at a, uh, I was at a sports show in Sioux Falls. And we walked in. We got set up. And COVID hit. Sorry, guys. There's going to be no show. This, the, the governor set the shape shut the state down well the trout are all in there they're spoken for it so what do we do i mean we're already spending the night so we went and uh had a few of our favorite beverages and a bunch of us guides and resort owners and stuff that are dialed in on fishing we had like five or six of us 
we had a fishing contest in the trout pond, but there's certain <laughs> rules. You couldn't add anything to your fly. And, and yeah. I had a perfect little spot right on the edge of the current where these trout are. And I let my fly go in that current and just kind of taper off. And I give a couple little twitches and they just inhale it. See, I feel when I did it, and maybe there was a little fly in there, but I feel like it was just a plain hook, like just a bare hook. And I was like, seriously, nah. you guys are going to make me try to catch this? But can, can you give a seminar on trout pond fishing? <laughs> yeah, there we go. It seems like you I'll got it dialed in. I was, I, I was dialed. There's certain things you do and there's certain things you don't do. I'll tell you one thing, and I won't even say it. If you could ever add any kind of like, yeah, sometimes people have just a little bit of scent, you know, uh, on their finger and you just touch that scent to that fly (laughs) (laughs) dialed in there you go this week trout pond fishing tips from joe henry also that one kid caught 10 trout no other kids caught a trout (laughs) he listens to sporting journal radio (laughs) that's what the that's what the title of this week's show has to be just so that one guy can watch the whole show thinking the entire show is going to be about Trout, trout pond, pond fishing. Yeah, that's who we you are. Know, you know what the hard part is, is that you go to a trout pond during the day and all these kids are fishing. You know darn well there's a lot of dads that want to go out there and fish, but they're just too embarrassed. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh. Well, um, St. Cloud this weekend started Friday. Uh, so Friday, Saturday, Sunday in St. Cloud. It's uh, that hotel right along the river. Is that where it's at? It's uh, River's Edge Convention River's Center, Edge. right on the Mississippi River, downtown St. Cloud. And uh, um, yep, it's going to be it's going to be epic and. Uh, and Brett, I should say too, you know what? Uh, one of the things we're talking about is current conditions up at Lake of the Woods. I mean, yeah. their ice fishing is in full gear. You know, uh, we've had a warm spell, but thankfully we had a good layer of ice and uh, we had a good layer of snow on top of that. And, you know, our ice guides and outfitters are watching ice every single day. And, uh, you know, fishing has been exceptionally good this year as a whole. Certainly you have boom and bust for some, but, you know, as a whole, this has been an incredible ice fishing year. And uh, we're, we're still going strong. So if you want to get up ice fishing in Lake of the Woods, now is an excellent time to get a hold of a resort all right and you can find all those resorts on on your website and uh, of course the season runs a little bit longer we're looking forward to being up there in april in fact that last tuesday wednesday of the walleye season april 9th and 10th we'll have the sjr 500 so mark those dates on your calendar and uh, we'll talk more about that maybe next week on the show here or something like that and joe if people want to get a trip booked to lake of the woods what should they do Hey, check out our website, and that is lakeofthewoodsmn.com. Lake of the Woods, the walleye capital of the world, is calling out to you. From the northwest angle to the south shore and rainy river, this is the Midwest's number one ice fishing destination. Walleye, sager, perch, northern pike, and eel power. The fishing on Lake of the Woods is like a world of its own. Experience the most amazing fishing through one of the many full-service resorts featuring heated fish houses, ice transportation, meal plans, and sleeper fish house options. For more information, go to lakeofthewoodsmn.com. Don't miss the 2024 Minnesota Deer and Turkey Classic presented by select Heartland Chevy dealers at Canterbury Park in Shakopee March 8th, 9th, and 10th. This year's Classic features top hunting celebrities like Pat Nicole Reeve of Driven TV, Melissa Bachman of Winchester Deadly Passion TV, and legendary bow hunter Barry Wenzel. Get your antlers scored, view more than 300 antler entries, and see the latest hunting products, plus a great lineup of lodges and outfitters. Learn more about the Minnesota Deer and Turkey Classic March 8th, 9th, and 10th at Canterbury Park in Shakopee at mndeerclassic.com. Hi, this is Sporting Journal Radio. I'm Brett Amundsen. Thanks for downloading this podcast wherever you get your favorite podcast. Maybe you're listening to this on the radio network or watching it on YouTube. You'll see I'm here with Jamie Dittman right now, and uh, we got something behind us here, Jamie. These are all yours? Yep. Not bad. 
Not bad. This one, I mean, I know they all tell a story, but that, that's, is that the biggest one then? That's the biggest one. Yeah. And uh, that's the one I shot when everybody says, well, now you're a big bull hunter. And the next year, the first bull I seen, I shot, so I'm not a big bull hunter. <laughs> <laughs> and I know it's kind of hard to see maybe in the video, but tell me about the one in the back corner there. The one in the back corner, uh, the one on the far back with just the horns was my first one ever. And then uh, the one that's all busted up was a 20 below hunt. and. It was brutal, just a brutal, brutal hunt, but that, that little rack means a lot for that day. You know, it's not always about the biggest, the no, biggest. that uh, one's got some stories animal. to tell. Yeah, that's cool. Well, I want to talk a little bit of elk hunting, and I also want to talk about what's sitting right behind the camera there, because that's my new uh, Toyota Tundra, and it's, uh, it's looking a little fresh. It's looks pretty nice. good. Yeah, looking a little different. So if you've seen it, it's going to look a little bit different. Well, maybe by the time you, this airs, you may have seen it already but uh jamie did some work to it does some you do uh you do vehicle wraps boat wraps signage stuff like that yep everything any any kind of printing uh from canvas prints to snowmobile hoods we had three hoods out of here today and a truck and uh signs lighted signs everything like that so and you can't keep up right now no no so you can call them for the work but it may be a you may be on a waiting list we're booking for 2025 oh, wow <laughs> uh well that sled i want to just mention that sled real quick that was in here because you did it was like some holographic material or something yeah there's a new wrap vinyl that's uh you can actually stretch and it's a holographic chrome and when you print on it it prints through and you can see the holographic through the colors so it's red blue whatever you print over it so it's really a neat looking sled when we got done wow yeah that's cool well i you put a, a full picture on my tailgate and these new tundras they look really cool and that means you got a lot of contours you got things that go this way and that way and curves and lines and i'm, I'm guessing you agreed to the tailgate a lot you would you might have hesitated a little bit more after you took a look at it but man it looks great you know what with, with the new trucks there there's so much curve in them um, yeah Thank God they, the new vinyls they come out with are better and better and it makes it easier and easier. And another thing with the new trucks like this, what we noticed is they use magnets a lot yeah. when you <laughs> stick the wrap on to put it in place. And yeah. one panel's metal, the next one's aluminum. The next one's metal, the next one's, it just, you never know what's gonna stick. Yeah, that's <laughs> wild. I didn't know that, like the front door was aluminum. Yep. Right? Yep. And then the back door, the, it's a crew cab, so this has got that the, was steel. The four doors. That one was steel. The back panel was, do you remember? I don't know, the front panel yeah, was? Yeah, it just mixed, the, it, it the box was, yeah. was aluminum, the tailgate was metal. It's that's just, what it was, <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's wild. Well, either way, it's uh, it's looking good. I really appreciate it. I, I know uh, uh, people that drive through Bidet see your work every time they yep. drive through there. You've got some, some businesses there you've done work for. That's nice. I love doing stuff up there because I just have to bring the boat. Yeah. You know, and it's, <laughs> I don't want to fish, but since I'm up there. Yeah. So, um, Elk County, you've been going out to Montana uh, every year, and Scott Moon is with us too. And uh, you were telling it, I made you tell him your average time from your first morning to the moment you pull the trigger. Most is within 10 minutes. 10 minutes. Most, I, I want to say six animals were all within 10 minutes of shooting light so <laughs> but that means you did some work prior to that though i mean to get into that position obviously. you know my my first year was a once in a lifetime hunt for me and i i i just fell in love with it and i spent a lot of time out there luckily got to meet a lot of great local people and they've helped me tremendously and i, and I have done it the hard way by myself and i think that's why they have kind of taken me out there I and mean, they i proved that i'm not just a one and done and uh, 
yeah, so it's, I got a good spot and I've switched spots and uh, it just always seems to work. I, I don't know, I talked to the game warden out there a few years ago and he goes, do, do you realize the odds that you're in? How many locals shoot an elk every three or four years? And for especially a flatlander to shoot one, I mean, it's amazing. Yeah, I mean, I, it's funny. I remember the first year, how many days did it take you to shoot that first cow? Uh, 27 days. 27 days, so the first year was tough. And I remember you were you know, sending me pictures and texting me about it. And then um, the next year? The next year I hiked out by myself um, about five miles, stayed in my little tent by myself and was 100% sure I was gonna die <laughs> um, by something. I had my, my rifle, my pistol, my hatchet, my knife all laid out, just depending <laughs> on what I had to do. And I woke up and there was bugling and they came through the ravine. I had two herds come through and shot him right out of my tent and I think the next three years I shot him right out of my tent so it was I had the spot figured out and I don't care if it was 20 below blizzard or 80 degrees I'm going to that spot yeah well I would too yep. <laughs> <laughs> if you're gonna give somebody advice if you got a good spot go back yes, to it keep with it um, obviously scouting plays a role in that too I mean you want to make sure that there's some animals there when you when you put in all that work uh, when you look back so I don't know how many years you've been going now um, I suppose I could just count count the wall. There's here, some cows in there too. Yeah. But. How um, when you look back on on the years uh, when there's you know say a couple of memories and maybe we mentioned them already, but what memories stick out? You know, like one or two memories that stick out. From well, I would say that absolutely the most memorable was my first bull by myself. Hmm. I mean, I was just ecstatic. I mean, I couldn't stop and you know walking around it trying to figure out how to quarter it out and called my wife right away and she was just amazed and then and now every were. year she's <laughs> like if i wait a half hour to call her she's like well, you didn't get one i was waiting for you to call i'm like well, i didn't yeah. have service so i had to walk up a hill before i called you <laughs> it's nine o'clock now sorry but Jeez. yeah exactly i remember there was a couple of years there where you just kept texting me the picture right away and i'm like are you kidding me yep. you shot again I, right away the first morning you're out there i don't know how it's it's pretty wild and it's you know luck. Mule deer hunting out there is fun and, and hunting here is fun and everything, but there's uh, whether it's an elk or waterfall, once you get the itch for something, you just go yeah. all in and that's what I've done. You know, and there's a lot that, that is involved with that. Like obviously you want to be in shape. You're the picture of good health, clearly. Oh, exactly, <laughs> energy drink, and, yeah. But I mean, guys that go out and hunt in the mountains, obviously they, they do a lot of, you know, they go on a treadmill with a pack yep. full of rocks or whatever, uh, some weight in there. Um, they're, they're planning ahead, they're scouting, they're looking at Onyx, trying to figure out, okay, this is public, I can go here, I can do this, I can drive here, I can camp here, things like that. But one aspect that a, a lot of good hunters know, and both of you guys, Scott's behind the camera, both of you guys know this, uh, a lot of people overlook this aspect, but landowner relations, yep. particularly if you're gonna be hunting any sort of private land or maybe public land adjacent to private land or we all know the corner crossing situation in Montana, there's some landlocked stuff and you have to get permission on some of that. It may be changing, but for now, that's kind of the way things are. And you, you guys both, and you've really done a good job of making sure that you have a good relationship with those yeah. people. Yeah, I sent uh, Tammy a video one day and she's like, what are you doing? I'm." Uh, not much of a farmer, believe it or not, but we were, uh, one of the ranchers had to wean calves. So I'm okay. like, oh, what do I need to do? And he's like, jump in that gate and don't let any go by here. And so I'm in there doing it. And I don't know, you know, but it's something you do. And he was appreciative. And an hour later, I was in a side-by-side -side driving his property, looking for an elk. So yeah. it just, it pays just to be good. 
Yeah, that I mean, especially farmers. I mean, they've always got something for you to do, and 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 don't be afraid to ask the help, even if you don't know what you're doing on a farm, because they'll find something that they yeah. they'll be like, yeah, this is something you can handle. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they'll know, and they'll give you a job, and uh, they're very appreciative of it, and it's a great way to get on some yeah, land. Definitely, and just meeting people, you know, whether it's in a cafe or or you know at the hotel, I've met people. And I helped a guy change a tire once and he invited me to Alaska on a bear hunt because I was the only guy out of 30 people that walked by in 20 below weather in the middle of the night mm -hmm. and offered to help him. Got my tire iron out and... So wait a minute, you were walking by in the middle of the night in 20 below? There's a bar next door to the hotel. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but he, okay. he was there and he bent a tire and I helped him. He's like, I hunt all over and if you ever want to go to Alaska, here's my card yeah. or Fish Flathead Lake. And it's just, nobody else stopped. I mean. That's what you do. That's what you do. I mean, treat, like, it's a theme. Treat them, treat them right, they'll treat you right. Yep. So if, if somebody that, you know, like me, that's never hunted in Montana for big game, or, or gone anywhere for that matter, Wyoming, wherever I can get a tag, what, what advice would you give me right away for someone that's going to start doing a big game trip somewhere out west? Just start buying points and plan your hunt. And when you have enough points, get ready to do your hunt that year. Don't think that you're going to apply this year and maybe get a tag, maybe not, you won't be ready. Chances are you won't get a tag anyway. And uh, wherever you do plan on hunting, go out there in August, September and get a lay of the land because, I mean, they're all big mountain states and you, you, you got to have a starting point. I yeah. mean, you drive out there and it's like, well, um, the roads go forever and mm -hmm. you just got to spend some time out there and do your research. All right, Jamie Dibman, uh, nice job on the truck, Brainerd Signs. Uh, he will work for hunting land yeah. or hunting land permission. Yep. So if you need some sign work or wraps or something like that, he might have to wait a little bit, but uh, get a hold of Jamie. I do make a, a yearly uh, trip to Montana with signs. So. Oh, there yeah. you go. So if you're watching in Montana, <laughs> yep. hmm. Uh, all right, man. Jamie, thank you very much. Thanks. Well, it's coming back again in Minnetonka. It's at the Minneapolis Marriott. It's the annual fundraiser and banquet for the Wild Sheep Foundation. This is a, this is a pretty neat time. Uh, I've gone many, many times to this banquet. It's great to go back and see some old friends. And they're really doing a lot for habitat and conservation there. There's a lot of money that gets spent on uh, wild sheep and the, and the habitat projects that these sheep need. And so much of that benefits other wildlife as well. And this year, they've got some cool new things taking place there, uh, big auction they're also going to be giving away a couple of statewide youth turkey tags as well so check it out the 2024 midwest chapter the wild sheep banquet and foundation the wild sheep foundation banquet and fundraiser march 15th and 16th at the minneapolis marriott southwest in minnetonka this is sporting journal radio thanks for tuning in on the radio network by demand sportingjournalradio.com or maybe watching this on youtube or subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your favorite podcasts i'm brett amundsen and recently on prairie sportsman we aired an episode about elk hunting in uh, northwestern minnesota man what an epic trip that was so cool to see elk in minnesota and see some giant animals up there as well that first bugle like it gets you when you yes it does yeah the first wild bugle anywhere you know sends chills down your spine but to see it in minnesota is, a, is really neat and scott moon joins us right now scott how you doing i'm doing fine thank you scott was on that elk hunt in fact he drew a cow tag and uh, he invited us to come along and film that hunt so thank you very much that was i mean I know what it's like to be the guy holding the tag or holding the gun and how special that experience is, but for us to be able to come up and film it, that was really special. I really appreciate it. Well, and I appreciate you guys being there. It was, I have, 
I wouldn't have changed the world. It, you guys were fantastic. I was nervous at first. Yeah, I was sure. What to expect, but you guys put uh, put me at ease and everything, and it just made the hunt that much better. Well, you were nervous. We were nervous. I mean, big game filming a big game hunt is. Uh, a lot of times considered harder than hunting big game. Jim Shockey once said that the, the, an outdoor cameraman who's filming big games, it's the hardest job in the world because you generally only have one tag for one animal. And a lot of times you only get one shot at shooting that animal, harvesting that animal. And if your camera guy doesn't have it in focus or doesn't hit you know, the record button hard enough and you don't get that one shot, like you blew it. I mean, that a lot of times, like you're in your situation, a once in a lifetime opportunity, once in a lifetime tag. So we were nervous going in. And to be fair, you know, this, this was, this meant a lot to us too, because this was a hunt that I'd wanted to film for Prairie Sportsman for a long time. And when you reached out to us and, and invited us to come, not only did we try to do our best and do a lot of work, you did a lot of work to make sure that it was going to be a good hunt. Like you were up there scouting for quite, for quite a while prior to the hunt. Six weekends prior yeah. to two, I was up there talking to anybody, everybody, uh, trying to get my, you know, where they were at. Um, and I met a lot of nice people. The people up there are very, very cordial. Um, and as long as you uh, go up and you talk to them, they're more than happy to help you out. Yeah. More than happy. And it helped us. I mean, we've we seen animals, like you said, I, I never hunted elk before. To call and bugle and to have them answer back. Yeah. And then to actually get them to come to where they want to kick your butt. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they're all worked up and we were worked up and it, it, it came out to be the best. It was uh, something I'll never, ever forget. And I, I am more than happy that you guys were with me. Well, uh, I'm glad we could do it and, and make it happen. And hopefully you've watched, if you haven't yet, go to the Prairie Sportsman YouTube channel or prairiesportsman.org. You can watch the episode right right after you watch this of course you can do it right now if you want but finish finish this first and then go watch it because we're going to talk about how scott's hunt ended up because if you watch the show we had to leave early so we didn't get to finish the hunt and i want scott to tell the story about what happened after we left uh today on this show right here now you drew a cow tag you applied for a cow tag you've been applying for how many years 20 some years uh, the first time was in 87 and then uh then it was back up in the 90s and I've been flying steady ever since. Um, and it got to the point, you know, where I was kind of worried about getting one, being my age. Um, so I ended up going with the cow tag and uh, I, I got pulled and I couldn't be any happier than what I ended up with. But yeah. you had to do the homework. You have to, you have to, they move, they move very fast. Uh, they had moved seven miles in one night mm. while, when I was up there. So you, you have to be able to have multiple people with permissions to hunt on all their lands. Uh, uh, some of the people don't let you hunt up there. Yeah, because you know? this isn't like out west where you've got big tracts of say public or private land, but you're talking thousands and thousands of continuous acreage that you can hunt on. This is blocks. These are blocks, 640 acre blocks. Uh, someone might have five blocks, but they're all spread out. They're yeah. not consecutive. And in between, you might have that one person that won't let you hunt. But if you talk and you do your, do your work, um, you could usually get it. Uh, when I, once, once uh, Evan shot his bull, 
I had six consecutive sections that were mine. Yeah. Which was fantastic. I mean, that's a lot of land. But they can cross that real quick, mm-hmm. real quick. And he's talking about Evan Bernstrom, who was uh, who's from the area. He had a bull tag as well, and he had for some permission for land that you also had permission for. That's correct. But he had permission first, and and so if you watch the show, you get to see the elk that Evan shot, and uh, it was a nice one. And what uh, what a nice guy, and what a great people. story behind that one. Yes, and uh, it's really cool. So check that out. So. I remember it was you and your brother, and we were scouting, I think the night, I think it was the night before you were gonna hunt, and we pulled up to an area where you had seen some elk, and there was trees right along the road, so you couldn't see the field, and you called, and a bull called back pretty close. He was pretty close. And you'll see the reaction on my face in the episode, like that's the first, I mean, hearing a wild elk bugle in Minnesota, like that's, it was it was wild. It was crazy. Unbelievable. Yeah, that that sound, and now I'm hooked. Yeah. I mean, just that sound and the the beauty of that animal. I mean, just watching the the clips from what you've got and what we had. It it's a beautiful animal, but that sound. Yeah. Unbelievable. Well, that I mean that elk that that bull and I wasn't up close to your the cow that you you eventually shot, but getting up next to Evan's bull. It, you know, like I knew elk were bigger than deer, or they're big animals, but until you get up next to one in person, you don't appreciate just how big they are. I, I, I agree with you there. Once I, you know, and then like my cow, when I had her down, I had the whole herd right next to me and the herd bull was an actual nine by nine. Oh boy. And he trumped everything. I mean, he was absolutely a monster. So let's back up and talk about after we left that hunt, what happened next for you? Okay, well, we went back to the field where we had just been and where we'd seen. And there was a, an open area which was about three, 400 yards to get to the bean field. And it was probably about chest high brush. And I worked my way up, up all the way up uh, to where the, the beans were at, knowing that they were gonna come through the beans. And I got 100 yards away and I went to get set up and forgot my sticks. So I found a small little sapling. I broke the limbs down. I was got set up and I wasn't set up very long and out comes a four by four. And he's <laughs> not very far from me and I'm all excited and I'm thinking, oh, here comes the whole herd. Well, he worked his way to, towards the bean field and I sat there for about 20 minutes and then all of a sudden he got nervous and I kept waiting and I thought, something's gotta happen here. Here come the herd bull and he's chasing and he's not happy that that guy was there. So he chased him off and then come the seven by seven and then comes more four by fours or whatever. And then out come a calf, out stepped the cow and she was broadside 180 yards. And I didn't think twice. I put the crosshairs and I let it and she dropped. And when she dropped, the rest of the herd come across the field. <laughs> and there was cows in there that made, I was, I really thought I, I had shot a calf at that point. I was like, oh my gosh, they're huge. <laughs> so I wanted to make sure she was down because those up there in those fields, they go so fast and they can travel a lot of area quick. So I hurry up, went, went up there and I had my pistol. So then I went to, di- and I dispatched her, but at that time, I turned around and that whole herd was 30 feet from me and that nine by nine was standing there looking at me. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, you know, that was kind of a, but as soon as I shot and made sure she was put down, 
they turned and they left. But it was it was probably you know the most satisfying feeling and knowing that I my work all that time everything and it paid off and what a beautiful animal she wasn't the biggest but I'll tell you what she's a, she'll be my trophy for the rest of my life and a lot of elk hunters will tell you that that's when the real work begins oh that was the real work I got lucky and had <laughs> made a couple phone calls and next thing we know I got a four by four tractor coming out comes up comes out in the field picks her up brings her and sets her right in my trailer <laughs> I didn't have to drag her, I didn't have to do nothing. So I got real lucky there, um, being the, the people that you talk to, and um, you know, they, like I said, the accommodating and, and stuff, and they, they'll, they'll help you out. Treat them right, they'll treat, treat them right. right. And then uh, uh, the, uh, it, 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 it couldn't have been any better. And like I said, that, that she'll always be my trophy. So it was well worth it. Yeah, I would do it again in a heartbeat, but I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I, I do know people. <laughs> <laughs> well, if I ever draw a tag, you're coming with. I'll be there. I'll, I'll be the first ago. one. Yes. While yeah. to go, but uh, it's pretty cool. You know, they they they're talking more and more about moving elk over to the northeast now. So uh, we probably won't see those hunting opportunities if it's anything right. like the Wisconsin side. It'll be, uh, it took them 30 years from when they relocated elk in Shawamigan and, and Clam Falls right. there before they had a hunting season. And, and that time, I think it was just uh, a handful of animals that were harvested that first year. So so maybe, maybe, maybe. we'll see it, but uh, I'm gonna keep yep. applying for the Northwest. Um, so you brought, so you did steaks, you did summer sausage, did a little bit of everything? I did breakfast sausage I've, uh, uh, and jerkies. Okay. And. Uh, those were my Christmas presents to the family. Okay. And I had, you know, that, that was, you know, and everybody said it was probably one of the best Christmas presents they've had in a long time. I hear uh, I, have to, I have your wife to thank for the, the steak that I got there. Yes, you do. Because <laughs> she didn't, she said, I'm the last one. That's it. She's, she, uh, she, she's not big on venison, but she told me straight up, she said that the rest are ours. And she liked I, the elk, I'm, though. So that's interesting. She, she didn't elk. like the deer, but she yep. likes the elk. And there's no wild taste to it. It's, it's uh, When they say that it's a sweet meat, it is. I mean, once you try it, it's, it's a, a sweeter meat. Um, I, I, would, I prefer this over beef. Oh, sure. I really do. And uh, maybe this will give me a chance to hit out west and there, hunt a little bit. <laughs> there you go. So a little there bit of luck. Sure. But uh, like I said, I just got to know some friends that can get a tag in Minnesota. Oh, so there you go. Yeah. I help them out. But uh, no, it, yeah, it, it, I enjoyed the hunt very much. And again, I thank you and your brother Dan for the awesome job you did for uh, for my hunt. Um, and, I, and I appreciate everything that you guys did for me. I really oh. do. Seriously, I am more than pleased. Well, I appreciate hearing that. And th thank you. And we should thank your aunt too. Thank you, Ruby. Yeah, we should say that to Ruby. Because <laughs> she's really the one she, that got she's this the whole thing going. She's my manager. <laughs> that's, <laughs> we, great. That's, that's That was the big that's awesome. thing. But yeah, she listens to she listens to your podcast religiously. Every Saturday morning, she listens. And she was the one who called me right away in the morning and says, you got to get a hold of them. I was like, well, I don't know how to get a hold of them. So I had to do my homework there, and I did. And I got a hold of you. And within two hours, you uh, you 
reach back out to. Yeah, I was driving through Saskatchewan. I was in Alberta. I was driving through Eastern Alberta. The reception was terrible. And uh, yeah, I reached, I think I got to talk to you just for a couple of minutes right. before I lost you. Yep. And yep. Uh, got it all set and up. And then we got anyway. back to each other in a couple weeks later. Yeah. And then, uh, and then you were telling me that, well, of course, we, you weren't sure when I had my hunt. Yeah. And we were able to work it out that it worked out perfect for you guys. At yeah, the we same were in Bemidji time. right around the same time. Correct. So. Yep. And then mine, as soon as you were done with Bemidji, my hunt started. So it worked out, worked out very well. Um, and then, like, like I said, your brother Dan, uh, he, he is just an all-around professional. I mean, he he too. Is. Are we talking about the same person? Yeah. Well. <laughs> You can pay me later, Dan. <laughs> no, I, I did. I, I've, like I said, I couldn't ask for a better, better hunt, better lifetime hunt than, than what I had, and with you guys, and and with the animals that I've seen, and learning now a new animal. Well, it was a great time, and we appreciate uh, the invite to come along in the hunt, and I appreciate you coming on the uh, on this show here, Scott. Well, I appreciate so. everything you did, so I thank you. Thank you very much, Scott Moon. Thank you very much. Sporting Journal Radio is a division of Macaba LLC. If you've got a question, comment, or story idea for us, send us an email. Go to sportingjournalradio.com. While you're there, you can learn how to advertise on the show and visit our store for hats, hoodies, coffee mugs, and more. Go to sportingjournalradio.com.